Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 12.33 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Derek Scott, uh, Brendan Escott bringing you Oilers Now. Hope you're having a fantastic Friday. Uh, Board of Governors uh, went down yesterday. I know Elliot Friedman had a chance to talk to Gary Bettman. Elliot also made some pretty interesting comments today in a show with uh, uh, with Jeff Merritt, which you're going to get to momentarily. We talked about the Battle of Alberta. We revisited last year's uh, audio compilation that was put together uh, after the Oilers had won the series. And uh, this text comes in for Lyle. He says, Bob, beautiful music to my ears when the Flames got beat by the Oilers. Again, my whole thing is I want the Flames and the Oilers both to have super competitive teams and to play in lots of Battle of Alberta's. It's a little bit concerning seeing what could be a mass exodus of Flames players theoretically taking place. To provide a uh, unique perspective on this, we welcome back to the show for our friends at Abe's Door Service. These guys do a terrific job. Service is indeed their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. One of the most plugged in men in the business, Elliot Friedman. Hello, Elliot. How are you doing? Hey, Bob. How are you doing? Good. You know, I'm a believer that competition's a good thing. I uh, grew up in the 1980s watching the greatest rivalry in the NHL take place, the Oilers and the Flames, every Stanley Cup uh, final from 83 to 1990. Those two teams came, you know, ended up in the final out of the West. Uh, last year's Battle of Alberta was awesome. It ended really well for Edmonton as well. I didn't think they yep. would in five games. They did. Um, I saw your tweet yesterday on Toffoli, which was a bit of a surprise. Saravalli early in the day talking about the likes of Lindholm. I think Hannafin we all knew. Um, yeah. These, this is a this could be theoretically a very challenging period for Craig Conroy, couldn't it be? Well, I think you, there's there's two ways you can look at it, Bob. You can look at it as a challenging period or something that you have to embrace. Now, you know the one thing is I don't think we have clarity on Lindholm yet. I think he don't forget Lindholm and Markstrom are tight, and Markstrom had indicated that he wanted to stay. So, while I certainly think it's possible that Lindholm may not stay, I don't have clarity on it yet. So, uh, I don't want to jump to any conclusions. But Toffoli is definitely out there. Uh, Hannafin is definitely out there. Uh, Backlund appears to be out there. And we'll see what they do with some of these other situations. But, you know, I, I think this. I think Calgary was kind of their top priorities were Lindholm and Hannafin. And one player has, de- has indicated he's definitely out. Another they're waiting to know. And I think they were going to kind of fit in everybody after that. And, um, you know, I think the other thing, too, is I think aside from those two players, they were determined to be very careful on term. Uh, I don't know that talks really got far with Toffoli. I think he wanted to stay, but I think he realized he wasn't the priority. Um, you know, Backland. You know, I, I think they were prepared to make Backlund the captain, but I don't know if they were willing to do contract-wise what Backlund is, you know, will, will, would want. Um, I still don't have clarity on Zadorov, or uh, we'll see, or Tanov. Um, but I, I think at the very least, the Flames were going to be careful beyond the top two guys they targeted, Lindholm and Hannafin. And uh, now we'll see. Like, I think they have... 
a lot of decisions to make. Now, initially, I had been told that they, they weren't rushing Lindholm. They didn't necessarily need to know by the draft. I don't know if that's changed, but that was the initial plan. I think they know if they want to keep him, we're talking Horvat money, which is eight times 8.5. Um, Lindholm is represented by Newport, which also represents Horvat. You know what's crazy, Elliot? The Flames won game one of the series 9-6. They're up 3-1 early in, game t- in the second period of game two. I remember looking at yeah. Jack during the timeout, and I'm like, oof. You know, like, hey. I know. It's, it's crazy. Like, I, I remember we were we we were sitting there saying, are the Flames going to sweep this series? Like, yeah. And then it just turned like that. It was it was crazy. Now, you know, you're referring today to uh, Jeff Merrick and I were talking about yes. it. And, uh, so Merrick asked me, like, you know, do you think that that series ended the Flames? And, you know, I, I'll say this. There were a couple times this year I had some conversations with some Edmonton players. And they were private, and so I never talked about them. But I was actually on the golf course this morning. I got up early to play. And, you know, one of the players uh, kind of reached out, and he was like, uh, you know, remember that conversation we had? And and I said yes. And, you know, he said, do you want to talk about it? And I said, well, that's up to you because, you know, you told me it was private. Right. And uh, he said, you know, you just don't mention my name, but you can say that we thought about it. And, uh, you know, like, um, you know, that's what a rivalry is. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm talking to you. I'm talking to the fans who listen to your show, the Oilers fans. I mean, you know how much the how much that rivalry means to the province of Alberta, and I don't think it should surprise anybody that the Oilers looked at beating the Flames as we can, you know, break their spirit. And if the Flames had won, they would have felt the exact same way. But you know, that's exactly what those teams talked about. All right. So breaking their spirit, have they ultimately broken the will of the the organ? You know, you take a look at it and. Daryl Sutter, coach of the year, he's gone. Brad Treleving doesn't re-up, I guess. we got to do first things first. Treleving had the opportunity in Calgary to stay. Sutter subsequently gone, and now several of their top players. So there was clearly a collateral effect. You know, Elliot, I'll, I'll harken back to the Markstrom signing. That was one that I, well, somebody's going to write a book about it eventually. Cause well, yeah, because you guys thought you had them. And, and I, think, I, think, I think Calgary thought you had them too. Right. And then, you know, he changed his mind at the last minute. That's true. And you know how competitive guys are. Like, you know what? You can be a, a nice fella off the ice and, uh, or a nice person to deal with on a day-by-day basis, but deep down inside, having a, I mean... I would, I would love to have been uh, to the exchanges between Evander Kane and Matthew Kachuk in that series. And at the end, you know, as the series war, like Kachuk had a good start, but Kane had a great finish to that series. And I just, yeah. if they, I mean, I think you could have done like one of those ESPN 30 for 30s just on what was said in the war of words between those two players. Uh, but this is part of it. Like, you know what? Guys will go to a certain level. I guess you know where I'm going here. Like, I love the Battle of Alberta. I want Calgary to have as good a team as I, I'm a little bit concerned. And if I'm an Oiler mm-hmm. fan, you know, don't necessarily wish things on your enemy because I look at it like it's best for the province if both teams are good. But yep. this really could implode on the Flames, couldn't it, if they end up having a mass exodus of players? Well, I think you have to look at it as an opportunity. I mean, you can be negative, and I understand why negativity comes up at points like this. But I think you kind of have to say, all right, like this is the hand we've been given. You know, what can we do with it? And, you know, I like, I look, like, 
it's funny, like someone said to me today, like how much of this do you think is a Canada thing? And, you know, I think that's part of it. Uh, I think it's harder for Canadian teams to get guys now, um, whether it's less pressure, whether it's weather, whether it's taxes. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why yeah. a lot of players aren't crazy about playing in Canada, even the Canadians. But I, I think when you're good, that changes. Like, like, like you know, like one one player that like look at the way you guys are going right now. Um, you know, you guys are going. I, I think. Even though you lost in the second round, because you lost to Vegas, I think people look at you and they say they're close. And you look at the way Eckholm reacted to his trade there this year. Yes. You know, because you guys are soaring. Like, you know, one of the guys I think there's a, a, a decent chance he ends up in Edmonton is is Connor Brown. And, you know, do you think you get Connor Brown? Like, Connor Brown is going to have a billion teams after him. Yep. And because, and, you know, you guys have a really good chance, A, because he's got a long history with a certain guy who plays on your team, but also because you're good. And, you know, look, a few, everybody looks at Winnipeg now. Okay, people want to leave the Jets. Well, a few years ago, when the Jets were good, you know, Mark Shifley signed long-term. Blake Wheeler signed long-term. Dustin Bufflin signed long-term. In Canada, when you're good... You know, you're not going to have trouble finding players to play for you. When you're going through your inevitable down phase, which all teams have, that's when the challenges come. And this is where it is for Calgary. And But they have to look at it as an opportunity. Like, they're going to have – if they do make all these moves, they're going to get a chance to bring in some younger – probably some younger players who could build up some loyalty to the Flames. And there's just times in your organization where you have to start over. And this might be the opportunity for the Flames to do that. Elliot, you mentioned Connor Brown. He did an interview with Luke Gazdick this week on a, on a site that Luke's involved with. Um, and I guess the thing about Connor Brown is what's different is in the past, Edmonton had to overpay to get free agents. Now we're not even talking about paying a competitive rate with term on deals. The Oilers are actually, if, if they get Brown, they're going to have a base bonus structure when I know for a fact that Jeff Jackson, who represents Connor Brown as well as Connor McDavid, and uh, Evan Bouchard. I know for a fact Jeff for Connor Brown could get term and a base probably somewhere between two and a half to three point two five million dollars per. That speaks even more volumes about the opportunity at Edmonton and how the Oilers are seen by the Brown, you know, by Connor Brown, that he's likely gonna have to do a base bonus deal if he signs here. Well, you, are you hacking into Jeff Jackson's emails, Bob? Is that what you're doing? No. I'm not going to speak okay, just, for Jeff, but I'm the only way it's going to you know, I'm just wondering here. Well, you know, come on, realistic. You are, you are kind of a dodgy person, so I can oh, see you. Like, stop I think Jeff does a really good job, okay? and <laughs> and But he benefited. Like, you know how I remember Chris Knobloch calling me, and he's, he's like, stop. This is the second year he was in Erie. He's like, stop. Connor Brown's a hell of a player. Somebody should draft this guy. He's going to yeah. be good. Like, you know, and he turned out to be, a, you know, like a later round draft pick that's had a couple 20. You know what I'm saying here. My yeah, guess. I remember three three years before he made it in the NHL, Dave Dave Nonis, who was the jam of the Leafs at the time, said, "Mark my words, Connor Brown will be an NHL player." He was right about that. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm sure Jeff Jackson. In fact, I thought maybe it was on your show where he talked about the Malton. You know, you guys envisioned that there had been lot. There would be lots of interest in Connor Brown. 
might have been on mm-hmm. your podcast, but that's where I might have oh, gotten that so. from. So I think I, I hacked into your podcast to get because, as you know, I actually I actually did say that. I think I think the Capitals <laughs> know that uh, that uh, that Brown is going to test the market. I think that's likely. And uh, put it this way, I mean, I, I know that you're not allowed to talk to anyone before January. I mean, July first, and uh, I'm I'm sure the Oilers aren't talking to Brown, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is being wined and dined by certain players. All right. Now I'm going to give you the, uh, I don't know, $64 million question. Philadelphia, Winnipeg, or Calgary, who's going to be busiest over the next nine days? But that's a great question. I, I think Philadelphia has the will. If you watch Daniel Briere yesterday, um, he basically came out and said, I'm I'm ready to do just about anything. And uh, But he needs dance partners. And, you know, I said this on Merrick's show today, and, and I think it's true. Um Especially when it comes to goaltending, there's a lot of good players out there. And I think the teams that are sellers right now, Bob, I think they're a little surprised by the volume of players available and the quality of some of those players. Like, you look who's available from Winnipeg. You look who's available potentially from Calgary. Uh, you look who's available from some uh, from Philly. Like, there's good players out there. And, you know, Anaheim, John Gibson, there's good, good players out there. And I think some of these teams that are looking to add, they feel that they can squeeze a little bit, that there's there's not a scarcity, there's a bit of a glut. And that's always a dangerous game to play. It's kind of like poker. You know, you, you better make sure you play the right hand at the right time. Uh, but I think that some of these teams, you know, St. Louis is another team that's really looking to do things. Uh, I think that it's going to be a, I think that some of these teams are saying we can play a bit of a waiting game because there's more players out there than we thought and so you know we'll see who decides to step up and do, do yeah. something Elliot this text comes to us from the chiseler aka a voice from the past currently based in Vegas <laughs> the chiseler okay yes. oh yeah yeah we I think we've talked about yes. this guy before the okay, true yeah. sandbagger nice person is Elliot definitely going with the under 80 for his earlier round any chance no. he actually posted a scorecard no, you know what? I'll tell you today, I drove beautifully and I hit approach shots beautifully, but I sucked around the green like you would not believe. So we play like not big money. You know, we play a few bucks a hole, me and my uh, the three buddies I played with this morning. And I couldn't tell you how many uh, putts I had. Like I was down in, either on the green or in two or around the green in two. And um, I just royally screwed it up today. My short game was atrocious. I couldn't putt. I couldn't chip. There, there was. I don't normally shoot 80. I have to say that I'm a high 80s, uh, low 90s golfer. Um, but uh, uh, I was atrocious today. Like I could have posted a really good score today, one of my better ones, and I absolutely sucked. I have to be honest about well, it. Well, full disclosure, the Chiseler was once on the California tour, and oh, you were ta- nice. yes, you were talking to the worst. I could do two shows. Canada's worst handyman. And Canada's worst golfer. Like my theory is, I want grinders, <laughs> not golfers. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, so yeah. we got, we could see a fair amount of activity. There's a lot of excitement. Obviously, the Chicago Blackhawks are not uh, deviating away from taking Connor Bedard number one. No, no they're going to so. be a team to watch in the trade front. I think we can agree on that. Uh, you hear any rumblings that Anaheim passes on Adam Fantilli at number two? 
I, I, you know, I fire at this time of year. It's like, it's like drinking through a fire hose, Bob. Like you hear so many things, and you know, I, people who know my history know I broke in covering basketball, and the GM of the Raptors was Isaiah Thomas, and you know, Isaiah was phenomenal to a young reporter who was just learning, and he said, "I'll give you one piece of advice around the draft: uh, everybody lies." And so I think there's a lot of smoke screens out there. The one thing I'll say about Verbeek is he keeps a very tight circle, um, and um, he's not afraid to do different things. And um, I like Merrick said, like he Merrick said on our pod this week that um, someone texted him and said he could see Verbeek taking Mishkov. Now I don't know that that's true, but it wouldn't shock me. Like if anybody was to do that. He would be on the list. I, I think he's fearless. I think he's unafraid of what people think. I think at the end of the day, my if I had to put money on it, and I, I always say this, I don't follow the prospects and the juniors like a Merrick does or a Sam Cosentino does or a Jason Bukula does. Most people seem to think they're going to take Fantilli. That's the kind of consensus pick. But for being a wild card, I, I really do think he is. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for Abe Starcer. Elliot, you had the privilege of interviewing uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman yesterday. Eighty-three and a half million hard now is—is is that pretty much where we're at right now on the? Yeah, it, it, that's not like the the executive board ratified it earlier this month. The players were the PA was told about it, and last night the uh, the board of governors were. Um, so yeah, it's going to be eighty-three and a half. And there were some people yesterday holding out hope for even eighty-four. Uh, but that's that's not going to happen, and I think we're looking at probably around 88 next year, although Bettman declined to be pinned down on it. Yeah, interesting times, to say the least. Elliot, we appreciate you squeezing us in. Uh, we'll see how much movement is between now and next Friday. You think you could do it now? Is, is, are you flying back Friday from uh, uh, Nashville back into T.O.? Or what's... I am. I, I will figure this all out next week, Bob. Uh, I am flying back on Friday, so we'll figure out. Are you coming down to Nashville or no? Uh, the orders have a second, a sixth, and a seventh. What do you think the odds chance? Yeah, but you, but you like to you like to show up at these things. I I went to every draft from. Uh, I, do you remember the were you at the O two draft in Toronto? Were you? Uh, no. Yes. Oh, yeah. Toronto. Yes, I absolutely was. Do you there. remember? When- Don't forget, I was at I was at CBC then, and you know CBC didn't travel to drafts because they didn't they didn't have those rights. Right. But Toronto, obviously, I would have been there. That was the uh, I went because that was the Bowmeister and Lupel draft year, and obviously Jay, Jay's dad uh, Dan was the assistant coach of the Golden Bears, and Craig Lupel. You know, I I grew up with Craig and known him for. Yeah. He's over 40 years, 42, 43 years now. Uh, I just remember, Ken, we're at the, remember the speech Ken Dryden gave? It's like 18 minutes oh, yeah. long. I, uh, uh, yeah. The kids are all waiting. All the first rounders are sitting there. They're, we were about two rows away from them. Uh, and I'm just like, is this guy ever going to stop? Like, he went for 18 minutes like with a speech. I mean, it was, wow, it was like Polonius and... <laughs> what it was unbelievable. Hey, Elliot, uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Have a great time down in Nashville. I know you'll uh, you'll make the most of it. 
I hope so. And thanks, Bob. Have a great weekend and stop snooping on uh, Jeff Jackson's oh, emails. Okay? Oh, would you, I got that right from your show. Come on, man. You know better than that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, that is Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 1252 at Edmonton. We're going to come back with a couple comments from uh, Ken Hitchcock on uh, getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame. This is Oilers Now. There was a whole collection of university coaches. It was Billy Moores, Claire Drake, George Kingston, Dave King, Dr. Hindmarch, Wayne Fleming. They would they would they would sacrifice their summers and go from province to province to province uh, in the West, donating their time to help us learn about the game and the proper coaching methods. And what really stuck with me was at the end of every presentation, um, and it started with Claire, he, he would say, are you going to pass this on? Because that's what somebody's going to have to keep passing this information on if we're going to grow the game. And that really hit home with me. And so I, I, I've made it my life goal to help when I can um, and, and invest time in, in other coaches and help coaches and it's, it's it's taken this to another level between the coaches association um, and me trying to work with coaches now with St. Louis and, and when I was with Edmonton doing the same thing um, it's, it's gone to another level but I, I, that, that profound information that Claire gave me really had an impact and, and but more important was his kind of plea that you got to give back and I, I really took that to heart. That is Hockey Hall of Fame coach Ken Hitchcock on yesterday's edition of Oilers Now as we're in the direct workwear Oilers Now audio vault direct workwear excited to announce that they're opening a women's only workwear store it's located four doors north of their direct worker location on Gateway Boulevard. Find out more at womensworkwear.ca. So Ken Hitchcock uh, into the Hockey Hall of Fame and he had these comments on Jay Woodcroft in the current edition of the Edmonton Oilers. Well, I'm really proud of Woody. I, I we're, we're close. We stay in constant contact with each other. Um, I'm really proud of the job he's done and he's going to do. Um, he learned a few hard lessons this last playoff runs, which is going to help him for the next five years. Um, and I think he's going to be the better coach for, for, for what he just went through. But he's a hell of a hockey coach. He's got a great heart for the players. He really is knowledgeable. He's learned his chops by working with people who are very demanding. And he's learned to strike a balance. Uh, I think he's a wonderful coach. He's a great being. He has a great family. He's got all the solidifying factors that you want to see in a really good NHL coach. And I think he's going to make the best of it over the next five years. All right. That is Ken Hitchcock talking about the Edmonton Oilers, Jay Woodcroft. All season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, proud supporters of James H. Brown of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the U of A Golden Bears. Uh, James H. Brown, 250-plus years of experience. It's just simple. James H. Brown gets you the best results. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update at 1 o'clock with Randy Gilburn. And when we come back, Edmonton Oilers uh, Director of Amateur Scouting, Tyler Wright. Uh, This is Oilers Now.